Hello and welcome to Go With The Heat. I'm Dominic. And I'm John. I'm Melissa. And this is your cultural guide to punch, chop, and kick your way through the greatest action movies. And when I say greatest action movies, I mean greatest action movies because this week, for real, when you rank top five action movies of all time... Talk about Die Hard, Bad Boys 2. Not Bad Boys, but Bad Boys 2. <laughs> Not Bad Boys 1. <laughs> Lethal Weapon, the best action movies of all time. This week's movie can arguably be just outside the top five, like six or seven. <laughs> <Get out of here>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and guys, it's a true story. This actually happened. Uh, yeah, it's totally true. true. Didn't you see the picture? Totally he got true. the trophy to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And it's like it's in the record books. You know, the 3.2 second fastest knockout. Yep. The 0.12 second fastest punch. Like, that's in Guinness. <laughs> Look it up. We are, of course, talking about the amazing, fantastic, probably going to beat out Seattle Karate, Bloodsport, which originally premiered on February 26, 1988. It is directed by Newt Arnold, who was the assistant director for The Godfather Part Two and a remake of 12 Angry Men. Those are like his two big biggest credits. Uh, his Wikipedia says he worked on in or he worked in showbiz for 45 years and has almost nothing listed. So I don't know. <laughs> so like, what what making him showbiz, like? we don't know. He was there <laughs> alongside the stage doing the gardening maybe or something. But <laughs> Welcome to my world. It's like, like oh, he's got uh, 82 acting credits. His bio says he w- he was born December first. That's it. Ian. Oh, uh, awesome, awesome. Now we get to play Google this person all night. The movie is written by Sheldon Ledich, who is a screenwriter for Rambo Three, Double Impact, Legionnaire, a whole bunch of John Claude Van Damme movies, and he was the writer and director. Of Lionheart and Double Impact. All fantastic movies, by the way. Which is where we also got off on a sidetrack on that there was a proposed Double Impact 2. Sadly. That got eventually canceled in 2017. (laughs) Filming soon in North Korea. (laughs) They love Rodman over there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They love Rodman over there. You can film for super cheap. (laughs) Is yeah. Double Impact the one with Rodman, or is that the one cheap. with two Jean-Claude Van Damme? Oh, yeah, you're, I think you're thinking, yeah, you're right. I think Double Impact is the one with two Jean-Claude Van Dams, which is fantastic because they're twins that were split up at birth. They yeah. don't know about each other. So oh, then in, right. in Double Impact 2, the, is there four? <laughs> oh, my God. Double your pleasure? <laughs> I'm listening. Four JCVDs <laughs> in one room. I'm listening. <laughs> That booty's just all over the place. (laughs) That booty's there? I am listening. (laughs) Now, we like to mention the producers every once in a while. And I mentioned last week was the first for us. We had the first movie that was produced by Roger Corman. This week, we have our first Canon Group movie. This is Mark DeSalle. He doesn't have a huge back history because it doesn't matter. It's the Canon Group. The Canon Group made amazing movies. That's all that you need to know. <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk a little bit about it in music. So we'll talk a little more about the direct to uh, video market. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. Nope, that's where <laughs> we live in that market. <laughs> uh, but I think we have another first too. So as we go into the movie, one of the main characters, one of my favorite characters, Victor Lee, played by Ken Sue, who is the assistant director 
of the movie as well. And who also directed or or was listed as the associate director of Kickboxer and Rush Hour. Wow. There's like, yeah. does Jean-Claude have like a core group? Like, you know, there's um, Ryan Johnson or um, uh, Wes Anderson or P.T. Anderson. They have like this core group of actors that are in all their stuff. It sounds like Jean-Claude has like a core group. He does have a core group. That's why yeah, some of the fighters I, that were I in the think- movie with him. Or they are his friends in real life. So yeah, and I think as we get through go through the breakdown, you're gonna as I talk more about the different guest stars, you're gonna learn uh, that yeah, he's kind of got a little bit of a posse. <laughs> it's our chance to stop and say why we chose this movie. So Bloodsport is representing the great city of Toronto, which I've never been to. John, I think you've been to Toronto before, haven't you? I have, and we went at the perfect time. It was right during Boxing Day and New Year's, and so everything was closed. So. <laughs> I don't know what it's actually like. We spent most of the time in the hotel room. But it was cool while um, we were there. But from the out, from the outside, everything looked very nice and snowy. <laughs> very clean. You're very clean, Toronto. And not very busy. <laughs> I, I think it's obvious why we chose it. I mean, as soon as we came up with the the theme for this season, I think Bloodsport was just kind of included. Well, we can do, uh, let's see, what movies can we do? Well, we'll do Bloodsport, and then we kind of listed all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know. <laughs> to be fair, we did argue a little bit whether it should be Bloodsport or Kickboxer, but either way, a, a JCVD movie was getting in, and it was going to be one of those two. And uh, Bloodsport, obviously, the the greater of the two, because it's a true story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know for me, the real reason why we chose this movie is because Melissa adores, worships Jean-Claude Van Damme. I do not know what you're she talking about. She loves the man. I do. <laughs> and me, as a good husband, everything that I do now for this episode is to try and get Jean-Claude's attention for Melissa. Hi. <laughs> so, so, so Jean-Claude, if you're listening to this, if I may be able to tag you in Instagram and you see this. Please make a video in return to Melissa, who (laughs) has worshipped every movie that you have ever made and follows you on Instagram and uh, just assaults me constantly with (laughs) Jean-Claude videos from Instagram. His YouTube. His YouTube. Yeah. I follow his YouTube and he makes very funny videos. Has he ever ever posted anything from Monaco Forever? It's one of his first movies. It was only 48 minutes long. He has posted like pictures of it. So he will do like flash, like, you know, throwbacks and it'll be like, uh, remember when I was in this one or that one and. So Melissa did you is know a, he's going to be in the upcoming Minions Rise of Gru? No, I did not. And I will now be watching that. <laughs> I wasn't he's playing before, Jean-Claude. But... Jean-Claude spelled C-L-A-W-E-D. Okay, Jean-Claude. well, I'm listening now. <laughs> Melissa is a one-person Wikipedia on all things Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I had only seen, before we met, I had only seen this movie, Bloodsport. And now I've seen them all. I've well, seen yeah. every Jean-Claude movie that's ever been made, including all these new kickboxer movies that are like straight to Netflix. We watched stuff. all Pound those. of Flesh. Oh, yeah. We saw that yeah, one. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> we see them all. Yep. And the best part is we got our son to be a, a huge fan, too. So he rocks out to Stan Bush in his room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got his Bloodsport shirt that came with yep. the VHS. <laughs> yep. Right. Exactly. So, John, we might as well set it up. We got Jean-Claude Van Damme. We've been talking about him swooning over him. Melissa's been swooning all week knowing that we were going to talk about this movie what do you got for the man hmm? oh i was just gonna ask you about monaco we've already uh, talked about him during seattle karate so <laughs> I, i'm not gonna go too deep into yeah, it we're gonna talk about him 
I imagine we're going to be doing more of his movies. I want to do Time Cop eventually, so we'll talk. We can talk more about it. I just wanted to mention he was going to be in the new Minions movie, mostly. <laughs> well, we're going to get straight into the action here because this movie starts and delivers action, romance, bromance, Bro- lots of bromance. It's got it all. Let's go break this one down. Say, I love how this movie starts out. We're in Hong Kong at the stadium for the big night. I mean. And the stadium is hidden way back in these Hong Kong alleys. And then you mm-hmm. get in there, like, actually, it's kind of roomy in here. Yeah. Oh, How is, is it really hidden nice. like that? <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird. It's got, I mean, it's got like signs up saying people sponsored it, but it's also a secret illegal event. I'm very confused about it's that just, part of it. <laughs> it's just so weird. They would build all of those warehouses around that temple like that. <laughs> I know, right? I just, it's just like Field of Dreams. Like, if you build it, they'll come. No, that's just what this stadium is. Chong Lee is just destroying the ice for the party, too. Yeah, he's doing not going to be anything left. Nope. Him, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing that is we're seeing, like, uh, jumping around, I guess, to all the different countries where all the fighters are training. Like, they're training for the Olympics, and so they've got them all doing different stuff. Some of them are, like, lifting heavy bags. And like, like you said, Chong Lee's kicking hanging ice, which I imagine that they, they must make, like, bags of, like, rice for that or something. <laughs> but, yeah, it is kind of cool because we kind of get a tour of all of the fighters, kind of like last week only like like at the beginning <laughs> if you have never seen this movie before let's say you're watching this movie for the first time and you're watching this opening you see all this stuff there's chong lee and there's other guys that are breaking boards and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff and then there's the guy in the tree breaking the coconuts doing the monkey style and you yes. hope that's the that last time you see that <laughs> yeah that one's disturbing i don't like that that whole <laughs> That style, isn't that he scene. The, isn't he the guy that, that does that fighting style later? Like, to yep. a, where he's, like, on all fours? Yep, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, he, um... Chew to his, to his roots, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what to say about that. <laughs> I mean, what do you say? It wouldn't have been bad if there were other black fighters, but there's only one other black fighter, and he he loses real quick. And not even, like, a little bit. He does this whole mime thing and then, like, loses one punch later. Multiple other black fighters, but, like, to have just one guy get his ass kicked and then have the monkey guy, like, that's kind of (laughs) bad. It's bad. No, it is bad. bad. It is bad. bad. And we've talked about it before. We're not... (laughs) going to forgive movies but also just accept them the way that they are but say it's not okay and now. that did not age well no it did not age well uh, but there well then one- we jump to the military base <laughs> and uh <laughs> yep let's just skip ahead <laughs> <laughs> captain frank and this is going to go into the lore of frank, frank Duke's. Duke. colonel frank. We're, we're oh that's right yeah is he colonel i thought i thought he was captain he's a colonel he has to go see the general i believe and i didn't realize that at first and now that i'm thinking about it they're totally supposed to be at the at the presidio in san francisco aren't they i don't know because you look at their uniforms they try to act like they're not american mm-hmm. it's like there's no actual oh no symbol. is that leotard a uniform <laughs> yes it is it's a that doesn't look leotard. i'm just saying <laughs> the whole military angle that is brought into this movie and this is clearly because they're it's a true story about <laughs> You can't see my fingers air quoting, but it's a true story about Frank Dukes. And that's the only reason why they bring the military into this. Otherwise, the military CIA angle in this just gets in the way. 
of this whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just the reason so. to have Forrest Whitaker on screen. Yeah, exactly. Are we mad at that? No. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about Frank escaping from the military is that he pulls the old shower escape. It, it'd be even better if he had like a cassette tape that was lo- looping of shower sounds. He was like, ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, did you watch the ball game? <laughs> Just on loop. <laughs> I, I also don't think anything in the military is debatable. Like, well, after I do this, you know, five minutes. Tell the general five minutes. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure, like, like orders is orders. What Frank is actually doing is he's escaping to go see his basically adopted father, well, right? A, first of all, he's not escaping. He's got he's a furlough. Dead. He's got a furlough. He's got, like, a, and it's like uh, approved it's an approved furlough but it, the general now knows has heard that he's going to hong kong to fight in the kumite so that's why they're trying to call him into the general's office to be like you can't go fight because mm. he's too important to the military a lot of they, this breakdown is going to be melissa clarifying things and arguing yeah, for because you guys are like i have what? a feeling <laughs> <laughs> they know he's going to go to the kumite but first, he's going to go visit. So the problem isn't escaping. So him, No, he's not escaping. He's so so him like escaping in the shower, yeah. unnecessary. He could have left under his own power. Yeah, he just but the general forbid yes. him from, to go to Hong Kong. That's what he was forbidden to do. So, yeah, he could have left on his own, but he had to be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so question, where is his stepdad? Is he not in Hong Kong? No. Did he he's make in... a trip to his stepdad first yes. and yes. then to Hong Kong? Yes. Okay. So I think they don't say where he lives. They just say he's in America. I They hint around it being San Francisco. I think it's that's where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot because he's wearing yeah he's wearing the San Francisco hat and the San Francisco (laughs) and the New York Giants no (laughs) and the New York Giants jacket. That's what's confusing about it because then that money's like well he could be from Toronto that's close enough. No, so he's supposed to be in America. He has moved from Canada to America and now he's like in a new place. The U.S. military. In the U.S. military. Because that's not confusing. Well, it's not confusing to anyone that actually paid attention to the movie. We were watching it. And Should it be like, what happened to the... I don't understand. What happened to the What happened to the son? I'm like, he died in the Kumite. He's like, oh, that's why he's going back to fight. Like halfway through the movie. We'll just keep things going. So, okay. So, he starts this flashback, and he ju- we jump into this flashback when he's a kid, and he meets this Senzo guy. He breaks into his house, and is playing with his sword. And the Senzo guy goes, hmm, this looks like a great kid to let my kid beat up on, because he's kind of a pussy. So, he talks his kid's dad, he talks Frank's dad into letting him train him so that he can let his kid beat him up. We see that later, his kid gets his butt beat by a bunch of bullies. But he beats up (laughs) Frank Toops. He comes in, whoops his ass, and he's like, I'm going to fight in the Kumite, jackass. (laughs) Basically. Tanaka uses the, the katana to cut the bill off of Frank's hat. Mm-hmm. And he says, because you didn't flinch, you have the spirit of the warrior. But I suspect it's because Frank eats ch- paint chips. He's really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't process what it Dude, happened. The, way- <laughs> the kid's voice. And so I don't know if they're dubbing it or whatever, but young Frank's voice is just terrible. I, I think, don't know if I it was something have on to be sound. Or- it's supposed oh. to like be he had like a French Canadian accent. So I, they have to be dubbing it, but they couldn't find a kid from, from, that was from Canada that had that accent, I guess. I don't know. It, it's like a kid who can't speak English or like speaks broken English kind of dubbing in his voice. 
and it sounds nothing like the voice, like the kid it's coming out of. Because like the kid they got to play young Frank looks like he's like straight out of Brooklyn. Are you suggesting in a JCVD movie that they set up a moment where they're like, hey, what's up with your accent? He's like, actually, I'm not from here. My family is from France. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? Oh, I almost died on my water. <laughs> Tell them you speak a different language. And also all I was thinking was about JCVD. And you're like, hey, you're here in um, Detroit, Kansas. Yeah, whatever. What's with the accent? I thought you were from here. He's like, I am from here. But my family, they are from France. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do know is that Frank as a child gets destroyed by Tanaka's son. And he gets the racist phrases thrown at him know, while he's he beating his ass. jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then Frank still defends him when he's getting his ass whooped to school, though. But that's how they become friends. That's where the turning point is, right? And then like, that kid disappears, and we never see him again because yeah, he goes then to the like Kumite and gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't do a good job of really expressing that. Like they don't really say. It's like all of a sudden we get this really sad scene where he's standing with his depressed dad. And yeah, and he, he talks about talking going about to the how Kumite he dying. <laughs> But he he also talks about how he lost his first family in the yep. war. I think what he's trying to say is that his family died in Hiroshima. Mm -hmm. his, his whole family died. But he's got 2,000 years of warriors that he's supposed to represent. Yeah. So he started a new family. Mm -hmm. Not because not for his wife. Who cares about that lady? For a son. For that a son, way yeah. he could train a son to fight in the Kumite. But then Something his son. Something tells me he should have had more than one son. Like, like he could have doubled his odds. <laughs> And but why then, is he just he's too old now? So apparently everything's just over 2000 years down the train. I mean. <laughs> so now we're in a flashback and a flashback because remember, he has yep. a flashback about being a kid. And then he has a flashback in that flashback about then coming back to see Tanaka after his son had died. Yeah. And is and then hearing the story about how his stepdad's family died in Hiroshima and Frank begging him, let me be your representative of your family you're like a father to me yeah and tanaka says you're not a tanaka and you're not japanese <laughs> i mean <laughs> those are two very good points <laughs> that he has <laughs> he's like but you have trained me to be like you i have all that i have all your training inside me i know i can do it and you you know i can do it too and then basically he's like okay fine and then Tanaka's like, all right, let's see you, fucking casual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> see, and I forgot that this was a flashback in a flashback. And so I was like, man, he's been AWOL for like like half a year at this point. <laughs> um, The hair was different. He didn't trouble. catch on to the, that there was like a flip in the front when it was like the flashback. Within the That's flashback. what I'm saying. Like, like some serious time's gone by. <laughs> Like his hair's different. And apparently part of the Tanaka training, you learn great karate. You're able to have multiple skills. You can do the splits by being split apart by ropes. And you can pull yourself up in one of the most iconic moments in this movie where he's, he's got the ropes on yep. him and he's able to stand up, right? And also serving mimosas blindfolded up to hipsters on Sundays. Lots of things blindfolded. <laughs> the patty cake and the serving the, the blindfold mimosas. It's like, okay, this is getting a little much. Man, I mean, is, is Tanaka that visionary knowing that he's going to get blinded at the end of this movie? Or is that just in the script? I think that might be in the script. You know, unlike what was in Blood Fist, where he was blinded, but he could do all kinds of stuff, but that was never included in it. Huh. Oh, don't get into from. the superior movie here. 
wonder where that, yeah, but when you rip one off completely. <laughs> so now we're going to jump forward many years again. Mm-hmm. The current time, Tanaka's dying. Or and- he's just got bad gas. <laughs> not really sure. Just a little sleepy. He's just laying in that sad twin bed. Like he's in like the guest room. His wife's like, you know what? I don't want to clean up your mess anymore. You just go in the guest room and you lay in that twin bed. <laughs> tired of you <laughs> frank tells him i'm gonna go to hong kong i'm gonna fight in the kumite for your honor and tanaka's like you're fucking right you are yeah and you're taking <laughs> and by going there you're gonna take all of my teachings and my my wisdom with you i will be there with you so don't fuck it up <laughs> <laughs> like my son did <laughs> by the way tanaka's played by roy chow and he played Lao Che in the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep, yep. He also played Henry Lowe in Game of Death. So now we're going to jump to Hong Kong. Typical American getting on public transportation, awkwardly hitting on and refusing to accept that his presence isn't welcome around women. Sounds like I'm an American <laughs> man ever, we've ever met. <laughs> so nothing different than riding an American bus. <laughs> Guy gets on, hits on you for no reason, even even after you ignore him, and then he's like, oh, you don't like big men, huh? <laughs> I will tell you one thing that's different than an American bus. Him and Jean-Claude Van Damme become best best friends forever, <laughs> like instantly. And I don't uh, know if yeah. you've ever been in an American bus, but like people don't talk to each other. Like, <laughs> well, they don't become friends on the bus, though. They just kind of like laugh. <laughs> he's like, look, I'm hitting on this girl, and she wants nothing to do with me. And JTVD's like, yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's listening because he thinks he's got to have to do something. Like, you know, that's the look on his face. He's like, oh, yeah, crap. I'm going to have to protect this girl from this dumbass. Oh, <laughs> no. The the bromance has already started. He already <laughs> wants to be his little buddy. <laughs> yeah, the real bromance kicks off at the hotel when they play that karate video game. He's just walking mm-hmm. by and he looks at it and Ray's like, hey, you want to get on this? He's like, yeah, I do. I and they start playing. They're like, hey, you want to be best friends? Like, yeah, I do. <laughs> he's like, you want to do karate? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this totally could have gone stepbrothers with these guys at, after this moment you know we were saying that too did we just become best friends i think so jackson by the way is played by donald gibb and uh he's been a bunch he's played the big biker dude and a bunch of stuff so he started his career with a bunch with a bunch of uncredited roles he was a guard in conan the barbarian and he was a bouncer in the movie stripes when they go for the mud wrestling, he's a bouncer in that movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. His first really, like, breakout role where he he played Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. He also played Mad Dog in Meatballs Part 2. <laughs> we might see him again as Road Rodent in the movie Street Justice, because that's uh, kind of a movie right up our alley. But he also played 68 episodes as Leslie Dr. Death Cruncher on the TV show First in 10, uh, which is about a football team called the California Bulls. That ran from 85 to 91. Being the mm. type of football fan I am, like, I, sh- I, I think I, why don't I want to know about this show? I've never heard of it either. Yeah, like, I've heard of Coach. Like, I remember Coach. Like, I, I think, I, or, like, even Arliss. I've seen episodes of Arliss. Like, I think I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd seen about everything sports related. Never heard of First and Ten. Donald Gibb makes a return in Bloodsport 2. He's, he's like one of the main char- characters again in Bloodsport 2, right? Yeah, so he's the handler. Mm-hmm. He's like the. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So now that Frank is settled in Hong Kong. He's got his new best friend. He knows about the Kumite. It's time for them to go to the actual stadium, meet their handler, Lynn, Victor, and also 
prove himself worthy of attending it. It's not, you can't just have an invitation. Well, he does have an invitation, but then you have to do like a qualifying thing. And also, he doesn't look Asian, and he's there at, for the Tanaka clan, and they're like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't be nice about it. He doesn't look Asian enough, and so he's got to break a brick to prove he belongs in this bitch. Yeah, exactly. Like, my you dad, have to go through extra. You, you are... You are not Asian or big like him. <laughs> yeah, they don't show what he has to do, huh? Jackson doesn't have to do anything. I think he eats a beer can. Oh, okay. <laughs> True story. <laughs> the iconic moments in this movie. There's with the ropes where he's doing the splits and he starts to meditate. And he's able to pull himself up. When he breaks that bottom brick, you and think back to the first time that you saw this movie. First of all, that's the first scene where he does that like that. Ah, and he has like the big eyes. Yeah. Like that like increases throughout the movie. Yeah. And remember back to the first time you saw this movie when he does that and he breaks up on a brick, you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You're just like Jackson. He's like, oh my God, did you see that? You better let him in now. By the way, this is right after the scene where they meet Victor and he calls him Frank Dix. And so for the rest of this breakdown, I'm going to be calling him Frank Dix. <laughs> They go back to the hotel, and then this is when we meet the reporter. And, John, you were mentioning in our pre-show warm-up, the reporter, who does she work for? Yeah, I was so blown away with her because she keeps t talking about how she's a reporter, but she never writes anything down or takes any notes or takes any pictures or video <laughs> or calls or reports to anyone. And after a while, I'm starting to ask myself, is she really a reporter? What is she doing over here? <laughs> and why is she seemingly just kind of just hanging out? By the end of the movie, she's just going and like sewing in the crowd at that point. She's not even writing a story anymore. So maybe she's got a really good memory and she doesn't need notes. Like, I mean, really, the only thing that happens is people bloody themselves up and get and she sleeps with somebody. <laughs> nope. <Is> nope. <laughs> Frank Dukes. <laughs> of Frank Dukes. He's a colonel in the military. Yes. In the American military, but he's from Canada. Then he gets into the Kumite. Also, he sleeps with everybody. He now. sleeps with everyone. Yeah. He defends their honor. He beats up. Nah, he doesn't, sorry, he doesn't beat, beat up Hussein. He, he like does that him. coin trick and then makes him leave and then beats him up again later. He can and, do it all. And this is all in her Vanity Fair article? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, exactly. Family circle. Now, watch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, she, she she writes for, like, highlights. <laughs> this is going to be right next to the word jumble. Uh, by the way, Janice is played by Leah Ayers. She's an actress known for this movie, and it's something called All That Jazz in 1979, as well as an, uh, a movie called Eddie Makin's Run from 1983. Like, those are the big ones. She was also in three episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, my God. Five episodes of The Brady's, which was like the after Brady Bunch show. Yeah. Um, And 11 episodes of First in Ten. The hell is this First in Ten? Was she the love interest for Don Gibb? Is that how they met? There. Did he get her a job? <laughs> she, she's a reporter. <laughs> she probably plays a reporter in that, too. So now we're going to get a little bit of a backstory about the Kumite. Been going on for hundreds of years. Happens every five years. It's a three-day tournament. 
also sponsored by some huge association. <laughs> like it's, it's got an acronym, like full on association, but shh, don't tell nobody. Also, you get invitations to it. <laughs> and, How is that? A there's a there's like a written invitation. <laughs> and we actually get a round of fights in this first day. So it's a three day tournament. First day, just a single round. The real work is tomorrow. Yeah, the they just jump day. right in. Damn. <laughs> the way the fighting is staged is to make sure that you're reminded that it's full contact blood sport. Fight to the death if necessary. Although only one person ends up dying in the actual tournament. But they like they 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 make you seem like someone people got like paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Ray they Fox. make it seem serious. Like, like, maybe he died. Maybe he didn't die. He got hit so hard he flew out of the ring and didn't get up. But it is very reminiscent of last week where the main bad guy, Chong Lee, is also uh, just allowed to murder people at will. <laughs> just, just randomly break people's necks in the ring. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they're knocked out. Chong Lee, played by Bolo Young. Bolo also played Bolo in Enter the Dragon. Oh. Kind of convenient playing himself. Uh, he Maybe also he played Moon <laughs> in Double Impact. He was also in Ironheart and in the Tiger Claws and Shoot Fighters 1 and 2. Well, so this is when I'm going to go to you because John's talking about Chong Lee being played by Bolo Young. Mm -hmm. But there's a theme here with the people who are fighters in this movie. Yes. And their relationship with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. So the very first fight that they show, there is a man that he is also the bad guy in Kickboxer. And he is, at the time when they were making this movie and making Kickboxer, he is very, very, very good friends with JCVD. Like up and coming together. Oh. And so they signed part of, what from what I've read, about it part of when jcvd signed on is that he brought him with him he was like okay well he has to be signed on so he's the bad guy in kickboxer one and i think kickboxer two he's it's the same guy he plays tong is it tong po i think it is and in kickboxer and so they they make gotcha. him look different though because he's not even he's not asian he's like from some other country mm -hmm. and so they make they like uh. put stuff on his head and make him look asian <laughs> which is weird but and they are still friends like because i know that jcvd will put like pictures of them together like and he has a close relationship with bolo too yep there's pictures of them like last year yeah. he just was like, at some um i think it was not so, a comic-con but like a live show when they were together and i believe moon is the bad guy in double impact and so bolo's yep. the bad guy in double impact yep. side note for bolo young he was mr hong kong bodybuilding champion for 10 years straight holy shit well look at him <laughs> yeah who can deny him? Yeah, he's like, like there Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, he's like there Arnie. Like, like serious. Like he's their bodybuilding champ. Damn, Hong Kong, step your game up. How can you let him rule for ten years? Because he kills people. <laughs> <laughs> he ripped their arms off. <laughs> They're like, you know what? You win. You just win. No one does come out. Ten years in a row, no one comes. You just win. <laughs> so in day one. Ray wins after doing the trope where he, he so the other guy makes him bleed and then he attacks him and destroys him. Chong Lee wins while the crowd's clearly got his back because they, you know, he's, he's been he's been bodybuilder for ten years, like champion of Hong Kong. Everyone knows who he How is. How many years has he been champion of mm -hmm. the Kumite? I think they said three years running. He's mm -hmm. the champion, and he also, by the way, hey, he killed someone last year. Mm -hmm. I wonder who that could so be. He I had to be the. <laughs> he had to hold the bodybuilding champ. For seven years before he got an in fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I'm just saying, Frank Dukes got an invite pretty quick. I mean, he's not even his... He's not even Tanaka's real kid. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, the good news is, is that Frank gets revenge, not revenge, but he takes care of Hussein, who he like flinches to knock him out. And Hussein pretends like he's knocked out and throws the fight. So he loses and then tries to get up. Possum and- style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to call that hamster. <laughs> Yeah. Possum it, style. It doesn't work. He tries. To, he tries to play dead, and then when he's not looking, he tries to jump back up. But Frank's too smart for that. And of course, he is. <laughs> and then I thought he dropped an earpiece, which I think if that's an earpiece, then we might have the snake to thank for uh, Frank winning so many fights. I learned about this last week. But now we're going to get into another one of the classic moments. There's the ropes. That's breaking the brick. Now you got to fight to survive because they go into montage mode of for the course. end of the first round of the Kumite, including Monkey Man, but all set to stand bushes. You got to fight to survive. Uh-huh. And you're back in your room, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> tie something around the top of your head. You're like, all right, let's do this thing. When the song fades out, this is when we get into seeing that the CIA or the military police or whoever they're supposed to be, they're finally now in Hong Kong and giving chase to Frank. They had stopped by Tanaka's house and the wife had stonewalled them. Said, yeah, I don't know what to talk about. I haven't seen him. He said he was just coming here to visit my husband and then he left. I don't know what's going on. Well, she might not know. Maybe she's not lying. (laughs) Have you seen this Canadian? He's missing. (laughs) But the local police luckily have found Frank and the police go over to the hotel and they're going to taser him to take him in. Now, Ray is able to defend him and then Frank escapes. But almost like you're saying when we were watching it, I don't think Frank's taking it that seriously. It was like a Benny Hill skit or something. He's like it was. Jumping I literally over. wrote that down. <laughs> yeah. He's like I jumping li- over things and then he stops and he waves at him. And then they're too slow and like inept to chase him. And then he's like, do, 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 do. And it's all to like this amazing like 80s song. It's just p- pumping out. And you're like, <laughs> I, I think it's hilarious. it's hilarious, but it's also it also doesn't fit the movie at all. It is the most odd scene in the entire because the whole mo- rest of the movie is him trying to be serious, and then there's this just the goofiest scene, chase scene, right in the middle, and it just it doesn't fit with the the kind of feel of the rest of the movie. They had to find a moment to be able to show how funny Frank Dukes is. Exactly. And he's so much better than the military ah. police. Like, yeah, I mean, he's 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 got it all. Also, I think it's supposed to show that, like, the military police are there, but they don't want to hurt him or anything. They're just there to bring him back. They're just trying to do their job. They're not good at it <laughs> because he's just too smart. He's outsmarted them. <laughs> also, Forrest Whitaker, he, he can run a little bit. He can run a little bit. Yeah, he plays he's kind Rollins. of mailing it in. He's not really going hard. Like... <laughs> He plays Rawlings, and guys, believe it or not, he's won an Academy Award for the last King of Scotland in 2006, which makes him the fourth African-American to ever win a Best Actor Academy Award. He joins Denzel and Jamie Foxx and Sidney Poitier. Wait, wait, but there hasn't been one since? No. Uh, there's only been four. For Best Actor, yeah. Because, yeah, for Best Actor. Because for Best Actor. I, I'm not going to say his name right. Marsha. Marsha Shaw Ali. He's supporting actor he won okay. two in a row mm-hmm. i mean and i, I want to say I guess that makes the most for. recent 
I, I think technically, because his was 06, and I think Jamie Foxx was for Ray, Ray yeah. which would have been about 2010. Yeah. So he's probably the most recent. Oh, that makes up for um, it, just to know, like, hey, you know what, every 10 or 15 years, that's good enough. <laughs> Denzel's a tough one because he's been in so many good movies and like I, I can't even remember the one that he actually won it for um, it's either Philadelphia it's Philadelphia right or is it it's not Malcolm X no because it, it that's that's the problem is that it should have been probably Philadelphia but it was something way later I think you looked it so. up I'm gonna look it up training day oh yeah that's right we tried to we tried to say it was Philadelphia it was training day see yeah see like I have all the damn movies it's training day yeah that he won for <laughs> So it was almost like they gave it to him because it's like, well, uh, we probably should have given it to him for like this one or John Q or like this one. Or this you mean one. like they did to well, Paul Newman? <laughs> yeah. By giving I'll him for the color of him. money. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the color of money, Forrest Whitaker was in that. Yep. <laughs> That's the movie that put Forrest Whitaker on the map, by the way. So Forrest Whitaker's earlier stuff. He played a footballer in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yep. And he also played a wrestler in Vision Quest. So, and those were his early stuff. Wait, what? Um, He's a wrestler yeah, in Vision was, Quest? I know. Well, he was also in The Color of Money. That's the one that put him on the map. And then uh, other great movies like Platoon, Good Morning Vietnam, Bird, which is about Charlie Parker, who's a jazz guy. One of his most underrated roles, Forrest Whitaker's, is Ghost Dog way of the samurai they're actually pretty good for being directed video style they're actually really good like samurai flicks because it's like gangster samurai you have my attention and i've never heard of that movie look it up ghost dog way of the samurai i'm in so i'm in i gotta i gotta go look those up it's a jim jarmusch movie and it won an independent spirit award dude it's actually supposed to it has a huge cult following so like i'm actually surprised you haven't heard about it yet and the whole soundtrack is done by the RZA. Yeah, where have we been on that? See, that that's okay. See, I, I, I'm educating you guys. Check out Ghost Dog. <laughs> it's, it's literally probably my favorite Forrest Whitaker thing, aside from like maybe Repo Men. So, but that's because that's a, that's a good bad sci-fi movie. So. <laughs> so now it's dinner time with the reporter because that was the exchange. Like you have dinner with me, I'll get you into the Kumite. But then he's like, I ain't getting you into the Kumite. No, no, it was he, if he, if they met and had dinner, she, she could talk to him about the Kumite. Oh, yeah, he that's right. He never said he would get her into there. That's right. Guys, guys, like, they don't show it, but Frank's such a snitch. He's falling <laughs> all over her, and he's telling her all kinds of stuff. He's like, they're trying to show us like he's not, like he's keeping it a secret. Uh, so, by the way, she for uh, she's such a good reporter, she stays until the next morning. <laughs> um, she has to get the... The end of the story. The whole story. She got (laughs) whole story. The whole story. She got to see him naked. Okay. But most of this is so we're gonna talk about key moments. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Key moment of the movie for Melissa. (laughs) And every woman who ever watched it. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking like uh, what's her name in Fast Times at Ridgemont High where she comes out of the pool with with her top off, Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. That's what this is. Gotcha. Okay. Some JCVD ass. Oh my god. <laughs> and again, refusing to tell her anything. Wink, wink. And then well, magically, she's already told her a lot. I mean, she ends up right where he is at about the same time he shows up. 
<laughs> but she's pretending to pretending. I'm using my air quotes here. She's pretending to be a hooker. <laughs> yes. But it yes. looks like she's done. She's like, and this isn't the first time I've done this for a story. It's like, so you're a hooker. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> so also, she doesn't stick out to you guys. Like she's the only woman in the entire place. She's definitely the, the only, only white woman. woman. Yeah. Back at the stadium, Lynn is pissed over the lack of communication. And Lynn, it's only going to get worse, brother. <laughs> You're not going to hear from them for a while. It's the next round of the Kumite. And this day has multiple fights. I think I'm like three or four fights all in one day. Yeah, I think Chong Lee breaks some dude's leg. like just shatters his leg. Jackson goes all WWE, which is why I love him. He's basically WrestleMania every time he fights. <laughs> and then Frank fights the really big guy like the guy that he's like a freaking giant and his that guy's so move like, is to bear hug everybody so he's all right so he's like a yokozuna which is like <laughs> the high title of a sumo wrestler mm-hmm. that's what he's supposed to be he's like a sumo wrestler supposed to be his style so that's why he's always hugging on guys and stuff like that which is i thought was funny but also why he's such, supposed to be such like a tough guy like he's, he beats him up so much but this is where we learn that frank's a dirty fighter because he wins <laughs> By a dick punch. And like, like at that point, like he might as well have just stuck with the dick punch for the rest of the tournament, made that his thing. Because that's, <laughs> that's all anyone's gonna remember him for for the rest of the tournament is oh, he's the guy that punched that dude in the dick. <laughs> Frank Dix. Yeah, that's right. Frank Dix. Right after he's punched him right in the stomach, and that one really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> But by the end of the day, Ray has to fight Chong Lee. And before he goes into the fight, he's you can see that he's nervous. Kind of like some guy named Baby going into a fight he's with... He's not nervous, though. I think he's really cocky. He just... But he had glances at Frank before he goes like... Like, he takes, like, a deep breath. Okay, this is it. This is the moment. Yeah, and Frank tries to tell him, I like, didn't... hey, he's soft in the stomach. Like, hit him there and yeah. watch out for, like, this leg and stuff like that. And he's like, I got this. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm going to be in a coma Victor. in, like, five minutes. <laughs> I didn't realize Frank and Victor were warning him, especially about like the right leg and stuff. But let's let's be honest though, his showboating is what got him put in the coma, because like he immediately knocks him down, and had he like just tackled him and just smothered him, like he would have won the fight. But instead, he starts like showboating around WWE in it up, you know, <laughs> stupid American. <laughs> That's totally the theme here too, because Ray is the only American. Yep. Because Frank is from Canada and everyone else is from other countries. And so Ray is representing the United States. And he is the definition of American overconfidence. It comes around and bites him several times. But guys, it's okay. He's not dead. He's Although just it looked in the like hospital. he was. <laughs> Good. I was worried he was dead. And then some Asian chick he was banging is going to show up with a gun. And it's just going to screw everything up. No, because that By would the be way, a can I point out that Frank Who would do that? Dix, can I point out that Frank Dix is wearing one of the red keys from the last movie? And belongs to apparently one of the temple from Blood Fist. So like it, it's he he's he's part of one of the losing temples. This is where I get frustrated with Janice because Janice turns to Frank and says, "You're crazy. You can't go back out there." And I'm like, Janice, it's a he's been training his whole life for this fucking tournament. He's got two thousand years of Tanakas <laughs> that he's supposed to represent. Like you you can't just be like his 
his best friend, his Hong Kong best friend, <laughs> ended up in the hospital. And you got to ask him to back out. What kind of reporter are you? I thought she wanted the whole story. Also, she met him two days ago. And he's like, she's like, I won't be there to watch it. He's like, great, bitch. I just met you. Yeah. We slept together <laughs> once. Don't be there then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Literally trained for like 12 years of his life. Met her for two days. And now he's going to throw it all away because... She slept with them for a story, which is a story apparently she doesn't care about anymore. <laughs> now she's like, everything's stupid. <laughs> Janice then goes and snitches on the Kumite and Frank Dukes. She immediately goes to the police Which and just snitches on him. What a snitch. <laughs> probably why there's no other women in the in the crowd. Exactly. <laughs> probably weren't allowed. Not only does she snitch on him, but she goes with the police to make sure they capture him. She's a bitch. <laughs> Not, she's not trying to save him. She's trying to save her story. <laughs> she's not writing. We, we get another big montage. This is one of the classic moments in the movie because he leaves from the hospital. Janice, his two-day girlfriend, <laughs> is telling him that he can't fight anymore. Frank, his two-day best friend, in the <laughs> hospital. Frank's got some thinking time, so he's got to get on the train. He's got to listen to some Stan Bush. Uh-huh. Like you do. And he's got to go do his splits over the city. Overlooking the skyline of the city in this amazing spot where who knows how he got up there. <laughs> it's kind of funny had, that he I wonder never, if he had to fight the gardeners when he climbed the fence. He's not thinking about his, his childhood friend dying. <laughs> He is not thinking about his like his teacher dying in his bed, like thinking about I'm doing this for him and all the things he's taught me. No, thinking about the chick he had sex with two days ago and the, and the stupid American that he's made friends with. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up this next scene a little bit and then let you two talk about it because John was talking about some stuff in the pre-show. I'm sure Melissa's gonna set the record straight on it too. <laughs> but the next day, the police. And the military police, the CIA, whatever they're supposed to be, they show up outside of the doors of the Kumite and say, listen, Frank, we're taking you in with us. Because she brought him there because she knows how to get there, little dirty little snitch. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that it ends with they decide, listen, Frank, you're right. And we're going to stick around and watch the fight. Let me kind of set it. So I love what I love about this scene is like I can literally picture from what I've read about Frank Dukes, I can literally picture him on set explaining this to Jean Claude Van Damme. Like, and then I walked down the alley and the cop popped out to the left and I like kicked him higher. And then I kicked this <laughs> cop to the right higher. And then I kicked these two cops higher. And I knocked them all down. And they were so impressed that they let me fight anyway. And Jean Claude Van Damme's like, yeah, yeah, this is gonna be great, guys. Including the deflection of the taser shots into two other police officers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Now, I I also want to point out that they are in Hong Kong. And assaulting a police officer in Hong Kong is probably even worse than it is here. So, like, major jail time. So, but no, 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 no. I'm sure Frank Dukes kicked his way down the alley into the arena. (laughs) Well, for the record, I don't think any of that was supposed to have taken place. The, the, it says it's loosely based on him being story. in the tournament. Like the whole his whole story that he that he sold to like the Karate Magazine or whatever, like Martial Arts Magazine, was just like he was in the tournament and he won it. Not that he like not no one came and got no, no. it or any of that. Oh, <laughs> no. written. That was all written by the, the screenplay people that wrote the story. He helped. He helped write the screenplay. 
I know, but what I'm saying is his his version is that he infiltrated. So he helped it. write that scene. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he was there. Like this is how I would do it if I was here. Because he's on set. There's all kinds of pictures of him and JCBD. One time in Pittsburgh, I was like, Yeah, exactly. There's all kinds of pictures of him and CBD and Donald Gibbs together, like holding hands, like hugging each other on the set. So yeah, he was definitely there. Like, right, look, I gave him a high right. kick and a low kick, and then I will. We'll, We'll argue this out in, in the final <laughs> thoughts. Now, he's beaten up all of the cops in Hong Kong, and they've all agreed to let him fight in the Kumate. <laughs> and, like, when he goes in, too, they just they show the two CIA slash... Because I can't figure out if they're CIA or if they're MPs at this point, but Forrest Whitaker, his older friend... <laughs> 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 Who has a huge career in movies because I looked him up. But we're not going to talk about um, him. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about him. And, and the, his girlfriend from two days come in. And at this point, I'm thinking like, so they'll just let anybody in, right? There's two fights. It's the semifinals and then the finals. In the semifinals, Dukes, Frank wins, and the crowd starts to turn in Frank's favor. Yeah. Chong Lee gets pissed and in his fight kills his opponent. Yeah, I mean, that was a little much just because people were saying someone else's name. You go kill that poor <laughs> other guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was completely unnecessary. The guy's passed out on the ground and he grabs his neck and kind of looks back and snaps his neck, like just trying to like show show him how t- show everyone how tough he is. And like he even gets like disrespected from the judges as everyone like, turns their back to him. Yeah, I mean, the judges do have some morals. They make sure like it's not okay that you killed someone. My dad did not like that. No, but we're not going to. Asian, my Asian dad, he turned his back. He's like, <laughs> the truth, the truth. The man with the beard looks just like Melissa's dad. Yeah, if my dad was Asian, that would be him. He looks just like my dad. <laughs> but. That they do have some morals. Don't kill anyone. Are we going to kick you out of the tournament? <laughs> no. No, no, no. We're just going to turn our backs on you. And they kind of look at each other like, what are we supposed to do? The main guy turns like, okay, I guess we turn our back. <laughs> I didn't think it was that big a deal, but okay. <laughs> well, they can't kick him out. I mean, he's murdering people. <laughs> so now we're all set up for the final match. And everyone, everyone who ever seen, has ever seen this movie knows how this final scene goes. So I don't think we're going to give it like the blow by blow. But I do appreciate that the ring has changed to funnel everyone down into the middle. Uh-huh, so yeah. there's, it's, it's got the ramps on it. Chong Lee, fucking cheater. And <laughs> after he killed someone and throws something in Frank's eyes, which cheater. everyone saw him do it too. And they still let the fight keep going. Where are your morals now, judges? Yeah, I know. They don't care. He got Alka-Seltzer in his say, eyes. What are they going to do? <laughs> Call the cops? Frank beat up the whole police force. <laughs> So, but thank God, thank God, he made blindfolded mimosas for his stepdad because he's prepared to make blindfolded mimosas for Chong Lee right now. I love in this final scene, it's, it's obviously great. Like the fighting is good. And that whole like where he's got his eyes really big and he's like the slow motion yeah. like, oh, puts his uh-huh. hands to his eyes, got blood on his hands. You know, it's all really great. But I also love the fact that he's fighting Chong Lee and also defending the referee. Yeah, he's like putting him behind him so he knows like, okay, I know yeah. you're back there so you're safe. <laughs> oh, and, and like he because Chong Lee throws the referee at him to make him while he's blinded to make him think that that's him. But somehow he knows the referee's gentle touch. <laughs> and knows that that's the referee and not Kong um, Lee. I think he and knows, knows to protect him. 
he knows it's the referee because the referee's the only one wearing a silk like pajamas. Chong Lee's out wearing like silk pajamas in the ring. So I, what? Oh, that's silky. That's the silk man. I can't beat him up. Uh, I will say. My favorite part of this movie is the fight scenes because they they do such a good job with these with the the karate and the kung fu with the fight scenes and stuff. And so, like when he's blinded, he does a series of jump kicks that I would not be able to do. This is what the difference is between this movie and the other like mediocre or bad karate movies that we've watched is because the way this is filmed, the the, the lighting and the slow motion and uh, and the way it, it makes it so epic. Uh, excuse me, mm-hmm. it's JCBD's moves that makes it epic. <laughs> it's the fact that he can actually pull off the moves. <laughs> Unlike some people we saw last week. I'm looking at you, baby. <laughs> oh, come on. You're telling me Don the Dragon Wilson couldn't take JCVD. Do I need to go back into my notes and tell you how many times he's won- he's a, in, been a world in champion? In the movie? No, because Don the Dragon Wilson is not good at fake fighting. In the streets? Oh, I'm sure he could. But in the movie? Okay. No. Because <laughs> in the movie, All he right. got blinded and then he killed a woman. So, excuse me. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just that little thing, you know. But- but we have no we have no idea if Snake's throwing these fights for JCVD. I'm getting all confused now. All right. So he beats Chung Lee. He doesn't kill him. Instead, he makes him scream uncle and he wins everything. The whole $300 gift certificate to Panda Express. I also, I have to admit, I have seen this movie like 50 times. Uh, it's an annual watch, at least, yeah, right? Our house, yeah. <laughs> at the end, when they award him that katana, I'm like, oh, his stepdad also won the kumite. Hey, That's the- why he had one of those katanas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm laughing, but I kind of did the same thing. Also, <laughs> I just I've seen it. I don't know how many times. I'm just like so impressed with the fighting style. I never paid attention to what the actual trophy is that he gets never at the paid- end. If you've seen it so many times, how come you didn't know his son died in the Kumite? <laughs> We're like watching, like, what happened to his son? Like, he died in the Kumite. Where'd they say that? He's it's still a- AWOL from the army, right? I- I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, he's still AWOL, yes. <laughs> then, of course, you gotta go back to the hospital, see his bro. Love you, man. Like, we're just, we love you. And then, you gotta add a little humor at the end, where the Military police or whatever they're supposed to be are waiting for him, and he's already on the plane. Come on, guys. We're wasting so much time. Let's get rolling. Freeze frame. And then the hooker shows up in a bus and waves goodbye <laughs> to him as he flies away. <laughs> it's so great. And then freeze frame, we get this great breakdown of Frank Dukes mm-hmm. and all this stuff that's like he has the world of records for. And I, I just, there's so much stuff where I'm like, how did they get this stat? Like, fastest punch 75 miles per hour like did they have a point, radar out point there one like, two <laughs> seconds no this is all based on what frank duke said he do. it he was time it, it was <laughs> it was timed outside of an arby's in in texas <laughs> point one two t- seconds listen Bloodsport is a great movie. In fact, in retrospect, for based on the other movies that we've selected, of the like actual movies, this is probably the best movie of all the ones that we selected. Yeah, like actual, comes, like, real actual movie. movie yeah. right? But also what makes it is the lore of Frank Dukes. The man is a legend. He's also a liar. Yes. <laughs> if, we, if, 
it's either he's a legend because he actually did all this amazing stuff, or he's a legend because he's the greatest liar that has ever <laughs> existed. <laughs> all right. Well, so before I, so, so, hold I, on, I will hold, have hold, more. Hold, to... hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Before you get into anything, I'm going to just throw in there, allegedly. We're just going to scatter the word allegedly make sure, all yeah. over the place. Your ass. We're just going <laughs> to okay. drop this. Allegedly, okay. we don't know. Well, We're just reporting. To be fair, I have tackled some sue happy people in my music. And so far, knock on wood, have not been sued. So, we, allegedly. we, we, will, we will, allegedly. So, I will talk more about Frank Dix, I mean Dukes, when we get into our final thoughts. So, but first, let's jump into the music. Let's do it. All right, John, this movie is classic for more than just the JCVD fight scenes and all the amazing Hong Kong flyover shots and all the great city shots. This also has great music. What do you got for us this week? I thought I was just going to talk about Stan Bush, but there's actually a little bit more to it than that. So let's start out with Steal the Night, which is the only song that Stan Bush is not associated with, according to the soundtrack. Uh, this was written, performed, and produced by Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop began his career singing on his mom's TV show at the uh, early age of five. And by yeah. the age of 10, him and his brother, Harold, were already a duo. By the time they were 15, they had won the Pepsi boss battle of the bands for the KHJ Radio TV LA. They got a record deal from that, but spent the next seven years mostly doing soundtrack work. First company called Sidewalk Productions. By the way, this is all from the IMBD bio of this guy. So this is all probably written by him. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Just putting that out there. <laughs> so. Well, uh, after Sidewalk Productions, he actually got involved with John Lennon and was going to release a solo album, but then Lennon died and Apple Records folded before they could release a solo album. Again, probably written by him. I'm not saying he was actually going to release a solo album or that he knew John Lennon. <laughs> but he is. Next, the Bishop Brothers signed with 20th Century Fox since, you know, the solo album kind of Lot. They did more scores. He also started writing songs uh, like he wrote the song Love Line for the Supremes. Around this time, he started a small label in the 70s called Radius Records. He would also become a radio DJ and eventually in the 80s, a punk rocker by the name of John Q. Public. Couldn't find a lot about him as John Q. Public. And if you Google the name Michael Bishop, you'll just pull up the bassist for Gwar. I'm assuming he was a radio DJ who went by the name John Q. Public in the 80s. After that, he started doing a lot more direct-to-video stuff. He even opened his own production company. He did mostly Playboy videos, or just a lot of Playboy videos. Dreamland, uh, everybody. Before, <laughs> before jumping into stuff like Bloodsport and Death Wish 4 and Crackdown. And prehistorias one, two, and three. Recently, he's made a punk documentary called Rage 20 Years of Punk West Coast Style that came out in 2003. We then have the songs Fight to Survive and On My Own. These are the songs that are performed by Stan Bush. But we'll get him get to him in a minute. Because the music and the lyrics are by Shandy Cinnamon. And Paul Herzog. So Paul Herzog is a film composer. 
He had a brief co- career. He did two Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. I'll let you guess which two. Uh, Lionheart. Kickboxer and Bloodsport. He also did movies Breathing Fire and My Chauffeur. He was a, <laughs> Then he was a high school teacher for a long time. He taught English and music theory. And then after a 20-year hiatus... He released a CD called Freeing the Waters in 2009. Apparently, they are unreleased tracks from his years as a composer. So, uh, hmm. look out for Freeing the Waters. <laughs> and then Shondi Cinnamon. By the way, Shondi Cinnamon. Cinnamon is spelled S-I-N-N-A-M-O-N. So, mm. basically, Cinnamon with an S instead of a C, right? That's like, it's got to be like a stage name, right? Shondi Cinnamon is a stage name. She was born... Chandra Cinnamon. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, her last name is really S-I-N-N-A-M-O-N. You know when you're really? expecting Cinnamon. something to hit you in the face and it pushes you in the nuts instead? That's just what <laughs> 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 you should see. I I kind of double taked it when I saw it too. Like, wait a minute, that's that's not their name. I expected to be different. <laughs> She's a singer and songwriter. Her song "He's a Dream" was used in Flashdance in 1983. Her song "Tough Love" was used for the Karate Kid. Her song "Living on the Edge" and "Double Trouble" were both used for Making the Grade, as well as songs for other movies. So those are just the main ones she's also responsible for singing the theme song for charles in charge the tv show that ran from 84 to 90 you know in my charles head. in I'm charge, charge of, of my our days and my nights, and yeah. my nights. <laughs> i had a manager at another company whose name was charles and i used to sing that um, <laughs> every time i saw him I did it mostly because he, his name, I, because I, I called him Charlie once and he got mad at me. Like, My <laughs> Charles. So from then on, I sang the Charles in Charge theme to him every time I saw him. Um, they fired me later. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> Funny, they fired me, but for different things. <laughs> she also has several other television credits. So, but yeah, Chandra Cinnamon, Shandi. So let's get to the band, the myth, the legend, Stan Bush. Stan Bush performed both of these songs, Fight to Survive and On My Own. For And so and he is responsible for performing songs from Bloodsport, Kickboxer, and one of the greatest songs ever written and performed in movie history, the Touch from yes. the Transformers yep. 1980 cartoon movie, <laughs> as well as the song Dare. <laughs> he has been writing that Transformers fame for like 30 or 40 years by now. At this right? point, it's 40 years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's re-released it a few times. He even talked him into releasing songs of his on other Transformers, like on the Bumblebee movie. Apparently, they got some of his music for the original reboot for the Transformers movie, but they just didn't use it. Uh, what? Like, it's on the official soundtrack, but it's not used in the movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm just uh-huh. going to set the record straight here in this house. There are only three things that really matter in this household for Melissa because she controls all of it. <laughs> One, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Two, Peter Cullen. 
Yeah. Three, by extension, because all things Transformers and the only thing in the world that matters is Transformers and everything Transformers is great. Yes. Stan Bush and the touch. Uh, exactly. <laughs> now, there happens to be this nexus of Transformers and Sean Claude Van Damme and the Stan Bush that's uh-huh, in between them. And they them. meet in the middle. What gets better than that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and mostly because Stan Bush was cheap and available to make, perform songs <laughs> exactly. for Bloodsport and Kickboxer exactly. in the 80s. Yep. So <laughs> this is literally quoted from uh, his bio on stanbush.com. <laughs> so just go to stanbush.com. The first sentence in the bio is worldwide icon of melodic rock. Stan Bush is best known for his song, The Touch, made famous by the Transformers movie in 1986. It's all true. None of it's a lie. Worldwide icon of melodic rock. We laugh, but it's probably on in our son's room right now. He's probably listening to it right now, yeah. Guys, he is important to Transformers. He was inducted into the Transformers Hall of Fame class of 2014 by Hasbro. And actually, <laughs> it's a crime that it took all the way until 2014 for Stan Bush to get initiated by Hasbro. Yeah, exactly. How did yeah, he... what the... Since Who he made the song him? The Touch in the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> Who got in before him? <laughs> Rodimus is in there, but he's not. <laughs> Stupid hot rod. <laughs> Aside from the Transformers, guys, if you go to stanbush.com, you can see that he has a whole career aside from Transformers, guys. He's got a whole <laughs> career. I don't he's had 11, <laughs> he's released 11 solo albums. My favorite being Dial 818888-8638. And that was released in 1984. And that's the actual name of the album. I will say it again. The album is called Dial 818888-8638. It is, oh God, it's such a great album. (laughs) He even has a Christmas album called Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, released in 1998. You guys will like this too. His first ever single released was called Never Surrender. Of course. Yeah. No retreat, no surrender. It just has to fit. He never surrender. It just has to fit. He has recently released more music. He released an album called Change the World, which features a title track called Warrior, which is to be featured in the video game Shadow Warrior 2. So oh, guys, damn. Still relevant. Yep. Yes. Shadow Warrior Stan 2 Bush. is a great Good. game, too. Yeah. Gonna have music, his music from his new CD is gonna be on there. Uh, that was released in 2017. And he is also, aside from his fantastic solo career, he has done voice work for commercials, including Toyota, Coors, Mazda, Budweiser, and Hertz rental cars. There's your music. Listen, for real, Stan Bush in Melissa's life, JCVD, Transformers, in the middle, the apex of it, the apex of it is Stan Bush. That's yes. the commonality between the two. That's what breaches Optimus Prime with Sean Claude Van Damme. Oh my God. Don't make me choose. <laughs> Don't make me pick because I have to pick Optimus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go give our final thoughts on Bloodsport. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to kick off the final thoughts and I'm going to save Melissa for last oh. here on the final <laughs> thoughts. Okay. Obviously, I love this movie. This is the ultimate bro movie. If you think of like bro movies of all time, there's like Terminator, Fight Club, Bloodsport is like in the top bro broiest of bro movies that have ever existed. <laughs> and in fact, the bromance between him and Ray is bigger than between him and Janice. Uh, yeah. It's more oh, important yeah. for, for the whole story. So. I mean, I, love- I thought they were going to bro kiss at the hospital. <laughs> I love this movie. As I mentioned, the final fight scene is so epic. It's so great. The build up to it. See, Blood Fist and the other movies that are trying to copy what Bloodsport was, they try and make it all about the action. But what they miss in it is, is like the story build up and all the stuff. They try to make like, oh, it's all about the karate, the different karate styles and all the fighting. But in reality, that didn't really matter. What mattered was is that it was just good versus bad. And as long as you got to the final one with him versus the final person and good was going to pre- prevail and their beginning training comes full circle, then you're good to go. But you got to set up the rest of the story in order for it to make sense. And I'm sorry, whatever your name was, prancing around on the roof. <laughs> Nancy. <laughs> Nancy. Nancy. <laughs> you know, you, your backstory doesn't fit. And like, all the, like it's, just, it's not the same. You're not flexible either. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bloodsport just nails. If only she was a reporter instead of a stripper. <laughs> Bloodsport just nails everything right. And it's not a great movie. It's not going to win like Academy Awards. But it is what it is, and it just hits it all out of the park. And I don't know what else there is to say at this point about Bloodsport and how amazing it is. John, what are your final thoughts? Like I said at the beginning when we talked about why we chose it, like it was just an automatic choice for the theme that we were doing. And obviously it's a classic, and one of the movies that really turned me on to being a fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now that aside, let me tell you a little bit about Frank Dukes. (laughs) <laughs> so after watching this movie the first time, and, and actually I, I feel like I do this every time, I always end up on his Wikipedia page doing a deep dive into who the man, the myth, the legend Frank Dukes is. And that's even included reading a couple bios from his own website. So, but if we stick to what is on Wikipedia, that he was born in Toronto, and that when he was a teenager, a ninjutsu expert named Senzo Tanaka trained him as a ninja, like legitimately trained him how to be a ninja. <laughs> as he got older, he went, sought out the Kumite and won it in 1975. And that's what Bloodsport's supposed to be about. And then the military reference in this movie supposed to reference Frank Duke's uh, military service where he actually served in the Marine Corps Reserve from 1975 to 81, which would have been right after he would have won or at the same time that he would have uh, supposedly won the Kumate. This is where things kind of split because if you read into what Frank Dukes claims, according to his Wikipedia, that the military, his military service, he spent a lot of time doing like secret ops in like South America. Like he was a full on spook, James Bond type for them. That's not 
what his actual military records say, but a lot of that is, a lot of his stuff is classified, and they're trying to throw, and they're trying to discredit him, and stuff like that, but, like, he legitimately stands behind that during that time, that he was legit CIA spook in, like, (laughs) South America. The only issue I have is that, and I don't know a lot about the Marine Corps, but I feel like if you're a reservist, I'm pretty sure if you're a reservist that you're not active ops. I don't know how that works. (laughs) I don't think that's how that works, but I don't know. So I do know that he established his own school of ninjutsu called Duke's Ryu Ninjutsu, also been on the cover of certain ma- of, of magazines, and obviously he's told his story a bunch of times, and he's legit got clout in the martial arts like he was around guys in in tournaments when when chuck norris was hanging out with bruce lee and going to tournaments frank dukes was going to those same tournaments and hanging around with the same people and stuff like that if you read the stuff that comes from him versus stuff about him there's a little bit of a difference uh not saying there's a big difference he just embellishes a little bit so i'm just saying like Blood sportsy, true story, but this will give him a little wiggle room. Maybe he didn't beat up the entire police force. <laughs> Maybe he just beat up a guy outside of a McDonald's one night. All in all, what I come to the conclusion with this movie is, is that in the Seattle movie, we have already seen Jean-Claude Van Damme be defeated by Seattle Karate. Therefore, all we have proven is that the Kumu- the Kumate could not handle Seattle Karate. <laughs> If they were invited. I think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> what? So, I think, I think Toronto could beat LA. Because obviously, Bloodsport's a better version than Bloodfist. I'll give you that. Okay? I'm not going to fight you on that. But clearly, Seattle would defeat Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, oh. We've already seen it. <laughs> In fact, he might have left this tournament, got on that plane, and become the bad guy for the mob and just been secretly (laughs) undercover as a CIA guy in the tournament against the Seattle kids. And mind (laughs) you, he got beat up by children in Seattle. (laughs) Melissa, I specifically saved this last spot for you. Not because I want you to give me your final thoughts (laughs) on... You want me to fight? (laughs) (laughs) You want to make sure she heard everything that I said. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, go ahead. You can talk about Bloodsport if you want to, but I just want to give you a moment to not just talk about Bloodsport, but just Jean-Claude Van Damme in general and why this movie, you were so insistent that we have this movie, not just this movie, but like a Jean-Claude movie in this round. Well, we had to have a Jean-Claude movie in this round because it's all about karate. It's all about fighting. Like, so who else are you going to have in there besides (laughs) him? (laughs) Like, if you're thinking karate movies, there's no one that does a better karate movie than Jean-Claude Van Damme. And... I mean, I like all his movies. I like Kickboxer a lot, but Bloodsport is my favorite because that's another one of those things like when we when we did Rocky, the Rocky movies, is that we I used to watch this with my dad. Like my dad loves my dad loves action, especially like karate or fighting movies. That's just a thing. Mm. And we used to watch this and my mom would be like, She shouldn't be watching this because they show his butt and I was like, his butt 
<laughs> so I love it's been ruined ever since. Yeah, right. exactly. I love John Claude Van Damme. I love everything he does. I think he's hilarious. I think he's got a big heart. He does a lot of stuff for animals. He does. He's an amazing. And then all the movies he's in are maybe they're not like they're gonna not gonna win an Oscar. Maybe not. But it, they're always entertaining and they always have heart. And by the end of Bloodsport, if you are not rooting for Frank Dukes, even though you know in real life Frank Dukes maybe might not have done all the things in the movie, <laughs> you're not rooting for him. Then like, what are you doing? Like you have no heart or something. <laughs> He's trying to avenge his friend he met two days ago. <laughs> he also had to fight the police and a snitch to get there. So yes, he should win. <laughs> there is nothing better than watching a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie because you always know it's going to end good. There is no bad ending. There is no ending where Unless it's like, oh, that's Seattle karate. No, yeah. Well, first of all, See, the kid from Seattle Karate couldn't even get in the door to the Kumite. <laughs> he couldn't get past the I qualifying. Don't know. I mean, he could. I mean, the he Monkey Man would have beat the kid. Damn. The Monkey Man would have beat the kid from Seattle Karate. I'm sorry, Seattle Karate cannot handle maybe fake, so, fake Frank Duke's Toronto Karate. <laughs> so Don Wilson gets no juice about being an actual badass, and the Seattle no, Karate gets no juice about being a fictional fictional badass. I'm sorry, I, I but just, I can't win. But Bloodfist don't even get in the into the picture because they just copied Bloodsport. <laughs> At least no retreat, no surrender isn't is yet, and it has JCVD, of course. But it's also an original mm. story, and it's 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 an amazing movie. I love it, but I don't think the guy. I'm I don't still think, voting Seattle. I don't think the kid from Seattle Karate could take JCVD's character in Bloodsport. I'm sorry, but he 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 defeats Chung Lee. How could you? <laughs> There's no one better than JCVD for karate. End of story. That's why Steven Seagal's not in this. <laughs> And that's going to do it for us this week on Go With The Heat. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We would love to hear from you. Email us, goalwiththeheat at gmail.com. Get us on Twitter at goalwiththeheat. Facebook, facebook.com slash goalwiththeheat. Instagram.com slash goalwiththeheat. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think about Bloodsport, how much you love Bloodsport. How does Bloodsport compare to Seattle Karate? We'd love to hear from you. Email us, goalwiththeheat at gmail.com. Get us on all those social media channels. Let us know. If you want to find other ways to contact us, check out that website, goalwiththeheat.com. Click on contact us. You can find all the ways to contact us, including us individually. <coughs> John, you <laughs> yell at him. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Also on that website is the ways to support us. Support step number one. Go to your podcast, your platform of choice, <laughs> iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell they're calling it now. Give us five stars. No one's even going to ask questions. It's not even against the law. You could just give five <laughs> stars. Like they, You could just do that. And instead... Of leaving a review because no one ever le- reads the review. Instead of writing a review, go in there and add to the myth and the lore of Frank Dukes. Create <laughs> more stories. What else did he do? What possible other things did Frank Dukes do? Did he write The Lion King? I think he, I think he killed Optimus. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us that review on your podcatcher platform of choice. Now, we're going to be back in two weeks with our next movie and i think our next movie is going to be drum roll (laughs) (laughs) deadly bet that's gonna be our next movie we're traveling all the way to las vegas to see how (laughs) las vegas does karate that's gonna do it for us this week we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see y'all next time bye pals